Hello, hello. So, a general thought on culture slash politics and the Christian, vaccine efficacy, and masking policies. This is On Life with Jamie Sinclair, episode 22. Welcome. Great to be with you wherever you are right now. Maybe in the car, running errands, trying to fall asleep. <laughs> Maybe I put you to sleep. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, I, I enjoy thinking and talking about various ideas and questions. And if you enjoy coming along for the ride, welcome. Glad you're here. So firstly, uh, a thought, a general thought on culture slash politics and the Christian and just the basics of how we approach these issues, questions, uh, there, there's so much. Uh, books could be written on the topic, and I'm certainly not going to try to answer or, or give some sort of thorough approach, but just a, a basic recognition that I don't think we should run away from the marketplace of ideas. We shouldn't run away from cultural conversations and addressing issues of the day. Um, Jesus is light. He has called us to be light. Um, we have a, a job as ambassadors of Christ to, to bring wisdom, to bring righteousness. One of the things we see in the Old Testament is this principle, and Jesus references it, by the way, in Matthew 16, when he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, uh, against the church. The, the gates, the city gates represented, obviously there are significant multiple ways. You know, they were part of a fortification in the city. They represented the the transit in and out. You could lock for for safety. It was a, a, a place where traffic was funneled and you know knew who was getting in and out. And it was a place of commerce and a place of all sorts of stuff. But also there would be discussions and meetings and city leaders would meet at the, the gates of the city. And you see Boaz and Ruth going to the city gates. You, you see references to gates, not frequently, but here and there throughout the Old Testament. In Proverbs chapter 31, uh, just in a description of the, the virtuous woman, uh, it says this in Proverbs 31, 23, her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. And th- there is a call for, this is, doesn't mean every Christian needs to like be, be in their city government. Um, but Christians should be in their city governments. There, there is something uh, good and right and virtuous about uh, taking our place in our communities to bring wisdom and righteousness, and we want to walk in great boldness in this. Um, in Zechariah chapter 8, there's a, Zechariah is prophesying right around the same time as Haggai. This is, uh, this is between when... Uh, Cyrus, was it King Cyrus of Persia who sent back tens of thousands of Hebrews to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. And uh, we see Ezra going out with them and we see Joshua and Zerubbabel. This is not Joshua, like Moses and Joshua, but another Joshua later on. And uh, they, they lay a foundation, they begin reconstruction of the temple, but there are difficulties, there are challenges. There are challenges from without, there are challenges from within. And they really get distracted and they just go their own way and, and they fall into some selfish, self-serving practices. And the Lord raises up prophets like Haggai, like Zechariah to speak to the children of Israel. This is, you know, maybe 10, 15 years after they begin construction and, and they, they rise up and, and God really, in addition to bringing prophets, brings a futility to the children of Israel who are there in Jerusalem. And he, he brings difficulties and suffering to, to get their attention. That's another topic, and I believe I even referenced it several podcasts back. 
Um, I just want to read a short passage from Zechariah. And what you'll see is this, that God brought suffering, but his purpose was to bring blessing. And that God's calling them to something. It's to speak truth. It's to make wise decision at the city gates and not to get involved in evil and in lies. And so let me read the section. Zechariah chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For the Lord of armies says this, As I resolved to treat you badly when your ancestors provoked me to anger, and I did not relent, says the Lord of armies, so I have resolved again in these days to do what is good to Jerusalem and the house of Judah. Don't be afraid. These are the things you must do. Speak truth to one another. Make true and sound decisions within your city gates. Do not plot evil in your hearts against your neighbor and do not love perjury, for I hate all this. This is the Lord's declaration. And, and obviously the, there's a lot to the, the greater context. I'm just kind of reading this in pass, passing. And there, there's even uh, several things we could tease out of this. But in short, there is a place for men and women of God to be engaged in, in cultural conversations, political conversations, to bring truth, to speak truth, to help make sound decisions, not to bring lies. And that's where we want to walk in great boldness but also great humility because what is ruling i shouldn't say ruling but what is pervasive in the conversational landscape landscape at the moment is uh is is a a boldness that it's 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 an attempt to sound bold by speaking carelessly and in an attempt for boldness, there is a lack of truth and there's this perjuring and, and lies and double speak and there's virtue signaling and hypocrisy and it's just blah. Um, I want to walk with great humility and I want to have a lot of space for people to disagree on things and try to work through issues and use reason to compromise and persuade. But I do not tolerate and I think we as a people should not tolerate bad thinking. We shouldn't to tolerate feigned boldness. That's really just recklessness and speaking lies. We, we shouldn't tolerate virtue signaling. And by virtue signaling, what I mean is uh, just a you know, over the past couple of weeks, uh, some of the language from the CDC and, and many states around the union have been uh, up updating their masking protocols and what they're asking people to do in terms of masks. And regardless of your particular thoughts on those policies, some of the responses are demonstrating what many of us has, have suspected to be the case for many for a while. For example, David Hogg, he is a young activist, and I certainly don't want to pretend he's some sort of you know thought leader, but he certainly has been promoted over the past several years, especially in the context of gun control conversation. I believe he's like a college student. So he's a young guy. He, he was a, oh, nice, a vehicle. He was a, a, a student at the high school in Florida where there's a school shooting several years ago. Really tragic situation. But being the victim of a tragedy does not make you an expert in thinking. And uh, you see some of his, well, poor thinking and just immaturity here. But the problem is this is representative of far too many. So David Hogg posted this on Twitter. I feel the need to continue wearing my mask outside even though I'm fully vaccinated because the inconvenience of having to wear a mask is more than worth it to have people think, have people not think I'm a conservative. End quote. This is just, 
the line for months has been follow the science, which I, I feel like has been misused, but that's another conversation. But if there's any truth to it, at this point, I think we can all say when you're outside by yourself and vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. But here we have somebody saying, I'm just going to keep wearing a mask when I'm outside, when I'm not even in like a party of people, I'm just going to wear the mask so people know I'm not a conservative. Hey, if he wants to wear a mask, wear one. But, but don't pretend that for the past year you've been pro-mask because you think it was helpful for health. You've been pro-mask for virtue signaling. Uh, just the, 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 it's pompous. It's not humble. It's, and it's lying. It was months and months of, you're denying the science. No, people were realizing that in a lot of contexts, masks weren't helpful. Especially, I don't even think it's been a policy that you need to wear a mask outside. Maybe it has been. I don't know. I'd stop following the policies like last summer. Um, but if it was a patent policy that you needed to wear a mask, when, when you know, over the past year, when I'm outside, I don't. I never wear a mask. But if I'm walking down a sidewalk and there's somebody else there, I'll take a step over. I'm not gonna like cough in their face. I'm just being respectful of the people around me. But the notion that you need a mask is just absurd to anybody who understands anything about the science. But anywho, clearly it's just virtue signaling, and he, and to the extent that people have been saying it's science, they've been lying. They've been perjuring themselves. They haven't been speaking truth. Uh, the, the same time sometimes happens though, this, this virtue signaling, this uh, just uncharitable thinking, just like a, maybe a week ago, I saw a video on Facebook. There was a, there's a conservative personality, a guy named Graham Allen. I believe he's actually going to run for Congress in South Carolina. I don't know him well. This is not an endorsement. I literally came upon him for the first time last week and I've only watched this video. So I don't know almost, I know almost nothing about him. But in this video, he shares a, a, an account, his daughter, I don't know, fell and, and got like a cut on her leg, but it's near her arteries. There's a, a ton of blood and he's like carrying his daughter and he rushes her to the emergency room and they put on masks to go into the hospital. And long story short, fortunately that the daughter's fine, but he posted a photo to Instagram of him, his wife and his daughter at the hospital with masks on. And he starts getting a ton of flack for it for wearing a mask. Why would somebody give you a give you flack for wearing a mask at a hospital? Like it, it doesn't make any sense. People calling him a hypocrite because he's anti-mask mandate, but he's anti-mask mandate not wearing a mask at a hospital. Uh, and it, it's just silly. I'll, I'll play the clip right here. Anyway, do the whole thing. Long story short, Anna Grace is okay. Anna Grace is good after uh, a long night of a lot of tears. Unfortunately, a lot of pain on her part. And she was a trooper, man. She was a rock star. A lot of you keyboard warriors in your basement could take a lesson or two from my seven-year-old daughter on what courage actually looks like. But I digress. So <clears throat> what I want to talk to you about is something that really, really just angered me across the board. So I posted a picture on my Instagram and you can go see it. It's a picture of us in the hospital. My daughter's in the wheelchair and me, my daughter, and my wife have a mask on in the hospital. Yes, I, Graham Allen, wore a mask in the hospital. And uh, people started attacking my daughter to get to me or attacking the situation of what happened to my daughter to get at me. I am 1000% absolutely positively anti-mask mandate. 
If you want to wear a mask, fine. I have ranted and raved, raved about it for over a year now. And people finally have a picture of me in a mask with my daughter in the emergency room. And they want to take a shot at me. And the worst part about this is I'm pretty sure it's other conservatives that did it. And that's what honestly pisses me off the most about it. Okay, so, uh, yeah, enough said there. It's just, it's it's disappointing when people just aren't thinking. Since when did be, being opposed to a mask mandate mean you wouldn't put a mask on to go to the hospital with your daughter? Like, it, it's just, it's a bunch of silliness. It's, it's a bunch of, it's not walking in humility. Uh, boldness does not mean arrogant. And we need bold thinkers who state the truth, but not pompous ones who are just virtue signaling and jumping on each other for wearing a mask at the hospital. Um, Speaking of just not being very precise or nuanced or thinking we're all going to forget what the reality is, uh, I just, hmm. Okay, I'm going to comment on my representative here in New York 21st, Elise Stefanik. she is a politician. I'm not a huge fan of politicians because they seem to lie a lot and play games. And I just, I don't love it. Uh, so this is not unique to her. It's actually common to the craft, uh, just politicking in general. I'm not a fan. <clears throat> and it's it's disappointing to me when she engages in it because she's my representative. Uh, I'm not, I'm sure, I suspect you can find things like this from pretty much everybody in Congress, but I happen to track her because she's the person that, I voted for it. Yep, I voted for her last November. Not super happy with that, but she was better than the other one. I don't know. We can talk about do we have to get forced into the two choices thing some other time. But for now, let's just say I voted for her, but I'm also disappointed in ways. Just the way she puts this, uh, I actually agree with most of what she's saying generally if you watch her whole speech on the floor. But, But she makes it sound like Biden is responsible for everything that's wrong with America right now. And it's just, well, listen to the clip and then I'll share a thought. Americans across this country are facing crisis after crisis. Just think, in just over a year ago, in early 2020, our economy was booming, our standing in the world was strong, we had just rebuilt our nation's military, and our communities and families were thriving. Here we are, A little over one year later, in just over 100 days, President Biden and Speaker Pelosi have dismantled that foundation. And the American people are paying the price. Americans are suffering under four crises from the far left radical socialist policies of President Biden and Speaker Pelosi. First, American families are facing an economic crisis fueled by trillions of dollars in uncontrolled spending, rampant inflation, and unemployment benefits that incentivize workers to stay home while businesses are desperate to hire employees. We just experienced one of the worst jobs reports in over 20 years, with unemployment rising, cost of living increasing every single day, and small businesses unable to hire. This impacts every hardworking American family, and it is a crisis with no end in sight except the trillions and trillions of dollars in new taxes proposed by President Biden and Speaker Pelosi. Okay, so she sets it up like everything's great a year and a half ago, which... Things were going pretty well a year and a half ago, not going to lie. Like, uh, 
we were we were in a relatively healthy place in terms of the economy and really even in terms of world stability. There were uh, things improving in the Middle East. <laughs> it's, another, it's a conversation for another, for another time. What's been going on the past couple of weeks? But like some just a lot of great news on a lot of fronts. And now certainly there's a lot of bad news on a lot of fronts. But A, to pretend that's all just Biden, which, by the way, I disagree with pretty much everything Biden stands for and is trying to do. So I'm with her at, to some level. But to pretend it's all Biden, it was COVID-19 and a massive response and a worldwide response, including partly from uh, Trump and others. Uh, then to act like Biden's the one with runaway spending. Uh, does Stefanik think that we do not remember in December she was calling to increase the stimulus to $2,000. I think it ended up being increased to $1,400 a person. But just, and we're, we're talking five months ago, she was trying to make it $2,000. Which, hey, I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of conservatives who just kill e crucify other conservatives over extreme purity tests. Like, you weren't, you didn't support quite as much of a tax decrease as me, so you're evil. Like, I, I'm a big tent guy. I think we should be gracious and charitable to one another. And so if if she felt like 2000 stimulus would actually be better, I'm open to having a discussion with her about that. I think we didn't need as much stimulus as we received last year. But like, hey, let's have a frank conversation. But to pretend that the runaway spending that's led to our current moment is all Biden when there was actually, I don't know, four trillion in extra spending last year and she was calling for more and to pretend that we didn't have huge deficits every year of the Trump presidency and she didn't make much noise about it then to, to now all of a sudden pretend it's all Biden's fault. Um, not only is that in, inappropriate, she is smarter than that. I've met Elise several times, I've had conversations with her, I've sat down at tables. She's smarter than this. She's playing a game. She is perjuring herself. She's not telling truth. She is purposefully... Uh, eh, I'm going to stop my rant now because I don't want this to be a podcast of rant, but I do want this to be a call to Christians to be engaged in cultural and political conversations and to do so with great boldness, but also to do so with great humility and with charity and with graciousness and... I think we should tolerate a lot in terms of differences and opinions and working through things because the reality is I don't have all the answers and I doubt all my opinions are correct, but I'm not going to tolerate and I, I want to call us to be intolerant towards this kind of virtue signaling, game playing, name calling, uh, just hypocrisy. And I, I don't, it's not going to lead to fruitful progress. And so I want to call us to something better than that. So that's a general thought on culture slash politics and the Christian. Hopefully it's helpful. Hopefully it's, it's simultaneously inspiring because there's a better way. And it is a little discouraging because so few in our world today, including many Christians, seem to be, be boldly engaged in cultural and political conversations without falling into partisan silliness and uh let's try to do better let's try to speak truth and not perjure ourselves not lie okay um moving on vaccine efficacy so i have i've i've noticed multiple examples of late of of people not maybe maybe not appreciating accurately what vaccines do 
are intended to do and how efficacy is measured. Um, vaccines do not mean you will never get some sort of foreign virus or bacteria in your body. Uh, I mean, just real quick, and I'll explain this at a high level, not because, not simply for the sake of time, although partly for that, but mostly because I don't have the expertise to explain it at a low level. But just think back to, you know, what we all learned in middle school. You have three levels to your immune system. Um, one is just kind of barriers to entry. Part of why we have, a, have skin is to keep foreign things outside of us. Uh, even uh, this sounds kind of weird, but like even, you know, what, what you take in through your, your lungs and your stomach, it's, it kind of is like outside of you still because even your, your lungs, there, there's, there's a, you know, lung tissue and it's not like everything you breathe in instantly is inside your body. There, there's membranes that try to protect you to keep stuff, uh, foreign entities out of your body. The same thing when you eat food. Um, you, you have a you have esophageal lining and, and stomach lining and intestinal lining, and it allows certain things through, but it's actually part of it is to keep most of, most of the food you eat is never really inside you. It, it's almost like you are a very complex donut and with a couple of donut holes instead of just one. But one of the donut holes is that whole mouth to other end, uh, like a hole through you and it's very windy and you have meters of intestine and stomach and, and all of that, but it kind of is never really inside you. So anyhow, the first layer of the immune system is just to keep stuff out, period. Unfortunately, some gets in, some gets through the, the you know, the membrane, the lungs or the, the intestines. Uh, some gets through because maybe you get a cut. You know, I, I had a bump with a rock earlier this week and it gashed open my shin. And it's one of those classic, like it bleeds a little bit like all day, every day, just because of walking around and uh, yummy. And it means I, I bandage it, you know, once or twice a day. And I rub alcohol on it when I do so, because that part of the immune system isn't quite as closed as it typically is. Okay, the second level of the immune system is a, an immediate response by your body to just generally alien things. And that's part of even why there's like uh, some of the swelling and inflammation. It's, it's various kinds of T cells and oh, a neutrophil is a kind of thing. It's like a phelagite or something. I forget the term is. It's a cell that like eats other cells. But you have your neutrophils and other of that category that all swarm the, the invading things and start eating and absorbing these, these foreign entities and particles. And, and they, they help a lot with bacteria. They also help with virus infections. They will kill viruses. Unfortunately, sometimes viruses can infect these like neutrophils. And, and I know that like some flu viruses, influenza viruses actually use that, that second layer of your, their, your immune system to actually infect it. And they use that to transmit themselves around your body. Um, so that, that level of the immune system helps a lot, but occasionally it can be thwarted to actually hurt. Um, and then the third level of the immune system is very specific. So that's like just a general response to alien things. And the third level is a specific response to alien things. And that's where your immune system over time begins recognizing alien things and creating that, that library of antibodies where it's like, oh, I've seen this before. Let's go looking for this thing. And it's, it's B cells and T cells and 
antigens and antibodies. I, I don't remember. Again, I'm not going to go into detail because I'm going to mess it all up. But uh, I'm just giving like what we all learned in fifth grade. Uh, and, and that's the, the third level. And, and the vaccine improves the third level. And, and what that means is this. When you are vaccinated for something, uh, it could still get into your body. It's not like giving you masks and extra skin. It could still get in. Uh, it will still just as likely pass your second level immediate response, maybe even piggyback on some of the immediate response to propagate around your body more. But that third level, it'll start, those cells will start recognizing, oh, that vaccine, if, if it worked, <laughs> uh, that vaccine told me about this kind of cell. I, I, rem I can recognize this thing and start fighting this thing as the third level of the immune system. And what that means is someone who is vaccinated for something, and let's use COVID-19 right now, could still be exposed to SARS coronavirus 2, which are the actual viral particles. Uh, it could, they could be exposed to that. They could somehow get some of those cells in their body. Those cells could actually buy, get through or even piggyback on the second level of the immune system, but the third level of the immune system is trained to respond. And what that means is that generally speaking, if it's a relatively successful vaccine, is that most people who have been vaccinated, even though it might still pass the first and second levels of the immune system, they don't get very sick because the third level is already prepared to respond. Um, but that does mean that people who get the vaccine can still carry the virus and maybe even have a mild initial infection and potentially the vaccine just wasn't enough to prepare them and they, they might get very sick or even die still uh, that happens so let me talk about how effectiveness is measured so we've heard numbers um the various covid 19 vaccines have different effectiveness rates i've heard numbers and i don't follow this stuff closely so google it if you want to know all the specifics but i've heard numbers as high as like 85, 90, 90, 95%. And of course there are different studies and every study is gonna have slightly different numbers. Um, these aren't, there are very advanced maths being used in coming to these numbers and findings. And, and there's a lot of like rigor and precision involved, but at the same time, the way these studies work, they're just working with tens of thousands of people and looking at probabilities generally and over time. And so there's an aspect that's highly precise, but an other aspect that's like, well, it's impossible to be precise with this. Um, so anywho, but the point is the, the studies I've looked at are generally quite look quite successful, especially for Pfizer. It seems to have most the highest success rate, although Moderna is pretty good. Johnson & Johnson, from my brief research, doesn't look quite as great. I pulled up one Pfizer study that, what, that was conducted between January and April of this year, 2021. And it said this. Uh, it said that after the second dose... It provided this, 95 for, for persons over the age of 16, 95% protection against infection, 97% protection against hospital admission, and 97% protection against severe and critical hospital admission, and 96% protection against death. What do those numbers mean? It, it means this. So the study was tens of thousands of people, but let's just for the sake of simplicity say, you're doing a study. You take a thousand people who get the vaccine 
And then a thousand people who get a, a, a control, they get a placebo, they, they, you know, they get an injection, but it's not actually a vaccine, it's just saline solution or something. Um, so you have these 2,000 people, and, and you watch them over the next couple of months. And let's just say out of the 1,000 who were placebo, unvaccinated, let's say 100 go to the hospital. And let's say for the 1,000 who were vaccinated, five go to the hospital. You would look at that difference and say, ah, okay, so the vaccine provided, there was, it was only 5%, like five out of 100, so it's 95% effective against hospitalization. And let's say that out of the 1,000 who were infected, then 100 went to the hospital who were unvaccinated, let, let's say three of them died. And let's say out of the 1,000 who were vaccinated and then five went to a hospital, let's say one of them died. That would now be about 33%, excuse me, 66% protection against mortality because you have three and then you have one. So you have one third, which is 33.3 bar. Like, so you get the gist and that, that's how it's rated. Now, now in the case of the Pfizer vaccine, it's not a 66% effective, it's 96% effective against death, at least in this one study. And again, a different study might have a slightly different number, but they're generally in this range of 90 plus percent. Um, and that was seven days after the dose. By 14 days after the dose, the numbers actually increased to 98% uh, against severe, uh, a hospital admission. And like the, the point is, approaching 100%, but not 100%. There are were people in the study who were vaccinated who still got super sick, and even some who died, but it was like, you know, a, a couple percentage points of what happened to the unvaccinated population. So that's kind of how the, the efficacy of the vaccine is measured. The vaccine doesn't mean you'll never get get infected. Certainly, you could still get infected. Um, this is just strengthening the third level of the immune system. So you still might get sick and get a cough or something like that because it made it through the first two levels and your third level is working on fighting it. Um, but it does have like a 90 some percent effect protection against needing to like having a severe illness and going to the hospital or something. And then close to 97 or 98 protection against death. Um, the, the, the point is it's quite effective, but you might still get slightly sick and, and even improbably, but it happens, you might die. Um, I just wanted to clarify how the efficacy is defined because I've seen some people are saying, oh, clearly the, the vaccine doesn't always work because some people are testing positive with it. I'm like, well, lots of people who get the vaccine are going to test positive at times. It just means it passed the first two levels of the immune system. Um, and even a bunch of the people who with the vaccine might still get some symptoms. But it doesn't mean the vaccine's not effective. It's actually quite effective against getting symptoms, and it's very effective against severe symptoms, and it's very effective against dying, um, but it's not 100% on any of those markers. Hopefully that makes sense, just because we need, we need to be telling the truth when we talk about things like vaccine efficacy, and so understanding how it's measured is important. Now, one of the questions really since the get-go of COVID has been asymptomatic transition. Could someone who is who tests positive for COVID but has no symptoms, no fever, no cough, no 
whatever. I don't even know all the symptoms, even though I've been asked the list like, you know, a bajillion times. Um, if somebody has no symptoms, could they still be contagious? And, and theoretically, yes. The answer is yes, theoretically. But in practice, how much so is extremely hard to measure. Um, I've looked into the studies on asymptomatic spread and I'm not gonna lie, I have a hard time following the math and the conclusions seem very uncertain. So all I'm gonna say is maybe, <laughs> probably some, but I don't know the numbers and I'm just gonna keep it there. I wanted to cover that little note though about asymptomatic spread because it's helpful for the next part of the conversation. How to approach shops asking for masking based on vaccination status. Last week, the, the CDC rolled out the, the, the new recommendation that people who are vaccinated or feel f are, are free to, I shouldn't say free to, but safe to be indoors, outdoors, in most contexts, unmasked, and they're good to go. Which I think they should have been saying a while ago, the whole point of, uh, the whole point of all the vaccines has been, it, it's, it, if you're worried about catching COVID, A, you probably shouldn't be as worried as you are, but B, maybe you are in a relatively high risk category or something, but this vaccine, as we just saw, really is quite effective. And uh, even if you get exposed to COVID, if you're vaccinated, the, the likelihood of developing symptoms is like extremely reduced. Like we're talking, you know, 90 some percent effective against that of of it being severe similarly of it leading to death similarly i think stu some studies have even like in that study it was a hundred percent nobody who had been vaccinated died and it was like a hundred percent effective against death um again from study to study it's going to vary slightly but they're all pretty much in the same range so Firstly, what's really important on the, on the whole masking protocol is to differentiate between public and private actors. Um, I, I believe late last summer, early last fall, I don't remember exactly when, one of the episodes on the podcast, I went through just discussing how most of these, most of the laws in New York State at least, I, regarding COVID-19, I am suspicious I suspect they are not constitutional. And if I had unlimited money, I'd be in court uh, asking those questions. Of course, going to court costs a lot of money, so unless you're pretty sure you're gonna win, generally you don't go to court, and I'm not sure I would win, so I'm not. Um, but that's for public actors, and, and I think that when there's an unconstitutional law, certainly one could, and maybe at times one even should purposefully break the law to point out the unconstitutional law to to not uh because our allegiance is is more to the constitution than it is to uh, you know new york state executive order uh, constitution is the supreme law of the land but right now i want to talk about private actors because there's been this cdc recommendation and there's been changes even in uh the new york state executive order and their guidelines but a lot of it ultimately how often are we going to the court or the DMV, oftentimes we're going to Home Depot or Walmart or you know whatever your shop is. Um, and if they're asking you to wear a mask, how should we respond to that? And you know, this one's been 
like I, I felt for a long time conflicted on this one because pretty much from the get-go, my take has been that our response to COVID has been too heavy-handed. We're not understanding statistics well. It's not as high a risk to most people as they think. To some people, yes. I always want to clarify that. I, conveniently with COVID-19, though, although it's very high risk for certain demographics, it's pretty low risk for most demographics. And it's, it's sad that it's so high risk for some, and certainly we want to be super careful and and uh, compassionate for people who are in the higher risk. But for most of us, it's, it's lower risk than maybe the average person thinks. That's been my take all along. But at the same time, I'm also a big fan of being a respectful patron. And if I go to a shop to, to you know, patronize that that shop uh, to, to to be a, a customer. Um, if they say wear a shirt and shoes, uh, I'll wear a shirt and shoes. Uh, usually that's not an issue, but on, on rare occasion, you know, you're out for a beach day or whatever, and you might be barefooted, and you're like, oh, let me go grab a pair of sandals or something out of, out of the car before I go to that shop. Uh, it, you know, I, I'm happy respecting them. I think we should generally be respectful towards our hosts. Um, and that's not just like being polite. It's, it's, it's being biblical. We, we should love people and be respectful towards other people to, to show our love. And if we're at somebody else's house or somebody else's shop and they ask us to wear shoes, we should wear shoes unless there's some strong reason not to, or some really weird reason they're asking us to wear shoes. You know what I mean? Like generally speaking, wear the mask, wear the shoes. Um, the thing here is this new, and, and and by the way, over the past few days, since things have changed in New York State, I've been looking carefully at shops I go to for what their signage is, and then maybe even asking them for clarification. For example, I, I stopped by Walmart recently, and the signage hadn't changed, so that masks were required. So I asked the the host, the greeter, is like, hey, um, you know, g given the change in policies on Wednesday. Uh, are you guys still requiring that everybody wear a mask? And he said, uh, you don't need to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. I was like, sweet. So I, I took off the mask. Um, so the question though is, am I vaccinated? I'm not fully vaccinated. And so technically I was not in line with what was being requested. And I can appreciate if somebody's like, you know what? We should be respectful to our hosts. If you're not vaccinated, wear a mask. And I understand that. And part of me is like, yeah, but, but here's why I didn't go along with that. And uh, I put this forward very humbly insofar as I'm not even sure I'll agree with myself in a week from now, but I figured I would invite you into the process. And if you have any thoughts for me, uh, please send them in. Uh, you, can, you can hit me up directly if you know me or just shoot me a message at 315-566-0056, shoot me a text, and it'll get into my email marked podcast. But um, here's what I'm thinking. Okay, there are two things involved here. One is that asymptomatic spread, and the other was the, the virtue signaling thing. David Hogg on Twitter, when he said he was going to continue wearing a mask outside, even though no one at this point is recommending that vaccinated persons wear masks when they're outside by themselves. But he said he was going to keep wearing a mask outside, not 
to protect himself, not to protect other people. By the way, masks don't generally protect the wearer much. They protect more the people around the wearer. That's been something I've been trying to hammer home for a while. A lot of people who are opposed to the masks refuse to understand that simple concept. Um, but Hogg demonstrated he wasn't wearing it to protect himself. He wasn't wearing it to protect others. He's primarily wearing the mask to signal his virtue, to, to make sure no one accidentally mistook him as one of those crazy conservatives. And, and the thing is, that plus asymptomatic is causing me to think that any shop who is asking for masking based on vaccines either doesn't really care, at which point I'm not going to wear a mask, or they're just virtue signaling, but don't care that much, at which point I'm not going to wear a mask. Or if they're super insistent and they really do care, I'll take my business elsewhere. Um, I'm not trying to boycott anybody. I'm just not interested in going to places that really care and they're just virtue signaling. Uh, so, so here's why I think all it, it, it necessarily can't be more than just virtue signaling if somebody really cares about this. If asymptomatic spread is possible, which most people who are cautious on this will vehemently maintain, and, and it is possible, and maybe it's a, very much a thing. It's just the studies, at least from what, as far as I can understand, maybe I'm just not smart enough in the area of epidemiology to follow, but I couldn't track it. But let's just say there, there is asymptomatic spread. Vaccinated persons could be carrying the virus and even spreading it asymptomatically. But if you're saying they don't need to be masked, even though they're spreading it, now the vaccine doesn't stop them from being asymptomatic carriers and spreaders. It just, to a high degree, reduces their likelihood of, of you know, developing a symptomatic infection or needing to go to the hospital or ultimately dying. Um, but it doesn't necessarily reduce much their chance of carrying it and spreading it asymptomatically. The people who are in danger, theoretically, I don't think anybody's in much danger, but let's just, in this scenario, say there's 100 people at, we'll use Walmart. So there's 100 people at Walmart, 50 are vaccinated, 50 are unvaccinated. The 50 vaccinated people are, are radically, you know, significantly protected from any sort of serious infection or ultimately death by the vaccine. The people who are unvaccinated are not radically protected by a vaccine, although I don't think that for most of them, the virus really isn't that dangerous anyways, but let's just pretend it is. Uh, so so they're, at, they're at risk, but they're not protected by their wearing masks. They're protected by everyone around them wearing masks, included the vaccinated persons. So if we really want to protect the people at risk, those who haven't been vaccinated yet, then everybody should still be wearing masks. Or we say what I think most of us are ready for at this point, which is, hey, it's not really that dangerous for most people. If you are particularly concerned either about your health or the health of some people that you're with regularly, you and they should be vaccinated ASAP. Let me help you out. Uh, otherwise, wear a mask if it makes you happy or don't wear a mask if it makes you happy because... You might be at Walmart and people could be carrying the virus asymptomatically, whether they're vaccinated or not vaccinated. And the thing that's really going to notably help you is being vaccinated. It's not in you wearing a mask. And so 
if the unvaccinated person is at risk by vaccinated people not wearing a mask, tell that unvaccinated person to not worry about it or get vaccinated. And that's, hopefully I'm making sense. It, what I'm saying is very logical. <laughs> I just hope I conveyed it accurately. All that to say, I suspect most shops just don't really care that much. And so in this age of masks are optional, more and more people will just stop wearing masks, which I'm fine with. Um, and for the shops that are really, really serious about it, it's virtue signaling. And if you know they're insistent that I need to answer private medical decisions and show them my vaccination records, I will just take my business elsewhere. So that's kind of where I've landed right now, although that could change next week. I mean, I, I kind of had to, to come to that conclusion this week as things changed. And hopefully that makes some sense. Maybe it's helpful for you. Maybe it's just confusing. <laughs> uh, either way, be blessed. Have a wonderful day. Let's, let's be bold and let's be humble. Let's not shy away from cultural and political conversations, but let's also be bright lights in the midst of them. Amen. All right, peace.